right, we need to do the clock. All right, let's do it. Here we go. Hang on, let me pull you up. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Okay, done. That was perfect. I'm, ama- I'm amazed at how that works. Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts, Rick and Patrick, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode 18 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick. And I am your other host, Rick. And we are happy to be with you this week and... Friday, day, time, whatever you're, whenever you're listening to this. Yeah, if you're listening to it on release day, can, thank you. I almost said congratulations. That makes no sense. <laughs> congratulations. You know how podcasts work. Congratulations. You just won nothing. <laughs> you won a free listen of the Beers and Bible podcast is what you listen is what you want. You did not have to pay for this podcast, so you're getting what you paid for. Exactly. So Congratulations. <laughs> All right. So what are we doing tonight? So tonight we're going to talk. Um, we're going to cover Covenant, what G.I. Packer covers in the chapter on what a covenant is in Concise Theology. But first, we're going to review a new beer, a new, this is a new brewery for us, isn't it? It is. These guys are from Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. And it's not Coors Light. Dang. So close. So, so close. So, uh, so tonight we've got the... Boulder Beer Company in, I'm going to guess Boulder, Colorado. Yep, that's right there on the bottle, Boulder, Colorado. And Colorado's first craft brewery. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm, I'm, their website is... It's really fun. It's a child's dream. So, yeah. like, it, it looks like beer on the bottom half, and wherever you move your mouse, the the beer level goes up or down. Mm-hmm. It's so, a, if you go low, it goes way down. It's <laughs> It's an interactive website, and if you're if you're a young person drinking beer, stop it unless you're 21. <laughs> right. Or if you're a child at heart and you're over 21, then go for it. So, so tonight we're going to do the Shake Chocolate Porter from the Boulder Beer Company. And the uh, these the last couple of weeks, the bottles have been absolutely on point. Yeah, this one's really good too. Mm-hmm. Can we, can we take a moment and pause for No Crusts, the yes. first double five? Yes. A moment of silence for, for No Crusts. Still one of the best beers ever. Are we giving it a moment of silence because it's dead or because you don't have any more? Uh, mostly because I don't have any more. So, I actually haven't drank my other one yet. Oh, I'm, really, I'm really hesitant to because I don't want it to be gone. See, that's how I felt about the... Uh, um, sweet baby Jesus, mm-hmm. and then I had no crust, and I was like, "Well, sweet baby Jesus, you're out the door." 
And you didn't I even drink well. your last one. You just threw it out the back door into the no, woods. No, I, I drank it. <laughs> okay, because it was good. But but then I went back and had another no crust. And round number two was just as good as round number one. It's. I mean, I've got to find that beer again. I really do. I've looked in several places, cannot find it. So if you know one, if you know where we are, hey, keep, funky keep it Buddha. Keep it to yourself. And then two. Get us some more of that no crust beer. Funky Buddha, email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Please. 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you when I went back and listened to the episode, the clap track after the double five thing, I busted out laughing. <laughs> I, I about lost. I was in the gym and I about lost it. That's amazing. So, all right. So, back to what we're doing tonight. So, the bottle, it's great. It looks like a. Like an old school, like 50s diner. If you look it at does. it, I look at the details. It's got like a jukebox and like there's okay. like a there's like a mobster standing by the jukebox. You see that? Yeah. Folks are dancing. People dancing, drinking chocolate shakes. That guy's getting that guy's falling over. I think. No, it's... So on the bottle it says velvety smooth with subtle coffee like notes. This porter serves a devilishly delicious dark chocolate finish. I'm Maybe excited. this is the closest we're going to get to the um, to the Yingling chocolate, Hershey's chocolate thing that we've been trying to find. I really hope it's better than that one that I found. That I hope I, it is too. That I didn't like too much. So anyway, let's, I guess let's, let's crack it open. Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. One, two, three, pop. So I think part of my problem with, like, I don't get that good... Smells oh, pretty good. It smells like chocolate. Which I guess it's a chocolate shake thing, so I guess yeah. it makes sense. It looks like chocolate. So I think part of my problem is that I don't my fridge doesn't get these cold enough, so that's why I haven't been getting like the good foam and I don't get the good popping noise. I set my refrigerator on thirty eight degrees. But I'm a little afraid to put them in the freezer because I don't know what'll happen. You could put them you could keep them in the fridge and then like twenty minutes before we record go put them in the uh Go put them in the freezer. Oh, so this help. on the bottle, this is 5.9% ABV and mm-hmm. 39 IBUs. The cap is just, there's nothing special about the cap at all. Boo. We don't have any slogans or anything on the cap this week. So I've kind of enjoyed that in the last couple nothing, of weeks. Nothing to get distracted by. <laughs> um, so this beer won the 2015, or won the silver medal. In the chocolate beer division, oh, that's at the fun. 2015 U.S. Open Beer Championship. Um, sounds good to me. Yeah, it also won the gold medal in the chocolate beer division in the 2014 World Beer Cup. We have got to go to that World Beer Cup. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, we do. We should do that. So, all right. Well, let's uh, dive into chocolate porter country here. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm excited. Let's do it. All right. Bottoms up. Clank. That's not bad. It's not bad. I'm not really getting the chocolate, though. I can. I can I can taste it. It's, like, like, it's a I, dark I s- chocolate. I smell it when we poured it up when we opened the bottle. And I guess it's slightly there. Let it hang in your mouth for a minute. And then swallow it. 
Because I get mine on the aftertaste. Yeah. Okay, there it is. It's, I mean, this is good. This is, and, and again, this is, I'm glad that we're finding these because my natural inclination is to steer away from porters. Mm-hmm. Because porters to me always seem like this like really thick, like motor oil. You could use it as motor oil in your car. Um, and the and the last few that we've had have not been that way. This yeah. one's not that way. This one, this one is. Oh, there's the chocolate. I, wasn't, even, I wasn't even <laughs> drinking it. It's just like it's been like a minute it's, since I had a swig. So yeah, it's like an aftertaste. Mm-hmm. You feel like you've eaten a chocolate candy bar or something. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Um. So Rick, what are you uh what are you gonna give it there on the scale of one Luther to five one, Luthers? One to five Luthers, I'm gonna have to ring this one in at four. Um This I mean this is this is good. Mm-hmm. This is crisp. Um again it's not heavy like I like I've come to associate pores and, and maybe I've just been drinking the wrong ones. Mm-hmm. But uh but I've always steered away from them because I just don't like heavy, thick beers. You know, there's mm-hmm. people that do and, and you know, more power to you. I just don't like them. Yeah. Um, I don't like bitter and I don't like thick. So, you know, I, when I think of drinking beer, I think of like being outside on a summer day and you don't want something that's going to make you feel like you just put a four pound brick in your stomach yep. after you drink one. Mm-hmm. You know, you want something you can sip on for a little while and it's good and, mm-hmm. and it's refreshing. Uh, it's got a good flavor. I think the yep. flavor's good. I think they, I mean, they, if for, they call it a chocolate porter. I, I would definitely say I can taste the chocolate. So mm-hmm. the, the flavors there that they call it. Yeah, I mean, I think all day long this is a four Luther beer. Yeah. I was hesitant to give it a four. Um, I think I'm still going to land there. I wish it was a little more chocolatey. Yeah. Um, maybe because my my expectation was like a milk chocolate taste. You basically uh, wanted a chocolate milkshake with beer in it? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I wanted like chocolate milk is what I wanted. <laughs> that flavor but it's still good um the chocolate flavor is there it's not too heavy um really smooth uh the bottle is great we keep you know we're trying to just not not just give luther's based on the taste of the beer but also on things like the bottle the bottle is awesome mighty banyan got one luther based off the can alone yeah Yeah. so um and I, i agree it's it's something that you could probably drink a couple of them and not feel like you're you can't move, yeah, kind of thing. So, yeah, um, I, I, just, think I'm, I, mean, I think I'm going to also come in at four Luthers on this one. This is, it's. I, I mean, I think it's good. I think four is is right there. Um, it's not. It's not a no crust to me. It's. I mean, there's there there was just something that's super unique about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's, for what they're calling it and what they're mm-hmm. labeling it, yeah, it's right up. It's right up the alley. See, for me, there are probably a hundred different kinds of chocolate porters. Uh-huh. So, so for this, this is probably the best one I've had. It's still a four Luther beer overall. Where you come to something like No Crust, how many peanut butter jelly sandwich beers have you ever seen in your life? I have seen one, and it got five Luthers. Yeah. So I think moving forward, for a beer to get a five, there's going to have to be something. It's either going to have to blow our, you know, knock our socks off, kind of thing, mm-hmm. or there's going to have to be something really, really unique about it. And then it's yeah. also going to have to not just have, like, if that had been, like, a peanut butter jelly ale or whatever, and then it did not taste like an Uncrustable, yeah. it would not have gotten five Luthers. I mean, that's really what got me, was it was, it was, it smelled like a sandwich, 
it tasted like a sandwich, mm-hmm. and it made me want peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that night. Like, it really did. Did you have peanut butter and jelly that night? Uh, sadly, I have to say that I, I did not. Yeah, I didn't either. I wish I would have, but I did not. Anyway, so, Boulder Beer Company. Your shake chocolate porter gets four losers from two bozos who know a little about beer. Slim to nothing. Yeah. So, but, um, a, a great job. Four losers is, is a, is a great it's a good showing. Score. It's a good showing. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing over there, Boulder Beer Company. We like it. We love it. We want some more of it. Oh, sorry. That was, that was a, a bad habit right there. There's nothing wrong with a little Tim McGraw reference. That's right. Hey, Tim can McGraw, we, man. Can we tag him in the post on this? Yes, we can. We can now. Because we just quoted a song. I think we have to tag him if we quote a song lyric. Oops. So, you know. There you go, Tim. This chocolate porter shake is for you. He's going to be wondering what the heck this is even about. He's going to be like, who are these bozos tagging me in pictures? Of a beer. beer. <laughs> We're going to get a cease and desist. <laughs> From Tim McGraw, <laughs> Tim McGraw, yeah. So, hey anyway. Tim, I'll send you some beer, man. Just send me your address. That's probably not gonna happen. Yeah, that's for sure not gonna happen. <laughs> it's more likely he just ignores us. That's yeah. That's probably more likely. Anyway, so, so there you go. Yeah, shake chocolate porter from Boulder Beer Company. We like it, and we'll probably have another one later on. Pro- definitely, I've got. And now we're gonna move into talking about covenants. Which is almost as exciting as chocolate border beers. Covenant. Alright, so we are back and we are here to talk about Covenant from J.I. Packer. And there is a lot of fun stuff when we talk about Covenant. Mm-hmm. Because when you talk about the idea of Covenant, you really get into one of the roots of of your salvation because your salvation is a covenant relationship mm-hmm. so that's why like um i would hold to the position that you cannot lose your salvation it's it's uh right you, you are preserved until the end so if you mm-hmm. are genuine and you profess faith in christ then then you you will be preserved until the end you will keep the faith until the end god will preserve you right because once you make that decision to follow Jesus, he doesn't leave you, and God can't break promises. Yes. So, and, and, and a covenant is just a solemn agreement between, typically thought to be between God and man. Yes. When, when we when we say covenant, that's the that's the uh, lens through which most people. Uh, See it. Yes. I was going to say something else, but see, <laughs> see it is what came out. So there you go. <laughs> there it is. So when we when we talk about the idea of covenant, the very first covenant um, would have been obviously the covenant between Adam and Eve. When God says, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It would have, been, then, it would have been between Adam and God, not Adam and Eve. Well, that's, that's what I meant. That's what Adam and Eve and God. And yes. And then you also did, like, kind of a sketchy God impression. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Shut up, Patrick. (laughs) Our banter is going way off tonight. So So anyway, but yeah, um, 
But you're right. The, the first, so the first covenant is between God and His creation. His creation, yes. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. And and the and the covenant is Adam. You and your descendants will live forever as long as you, you do don't not eat stupid. from this tree. <laughs> and as we talked about last week, last week, two weeks and ago, probably. And, well, we talked. We talked about it when we talked about inability. sin, and then we yeah. also talked about it when we talked about inability. Oh yeah, Shylin. I sent you the name of that song. You did, you did, and I haven't listened to it because I'm a slacker. So, <laughs> but I will. Listen Active to obedience. It. Active I, obedience I, I, is the song. Okay. So anyway, um, we talked about it with original sin. We talked about it with inability. Mm-hmm. Um, they eat of the tree, uh-huh. and that's the original sin. And then our inability, if Adam. Or Eve, or Adam and Eve hadn't have eaten from the tree. Logic, or not logic, but it would—it's assumed that at some point somebody would have eaten from the tree. It's—I po- mean, it's entirely possible. It's hard to say that, that somebody would have, but you know, knowing knowing human beings and how stupid we well, are, yeah, and knowing <laughs> like knowing my nature, if I if it hadn't been done by the time I got here, I would have screwed it up. <laughs> of course, the reason you have your nature is because Adam screwed it up. It's true. <laughs> so you would you would have a different nature, and that's I mean that's the that's the argument that's, the, that, that's so. the argument against it. But you know, for whatever reason, Adam screwed it up, and and Eve was there, and Eve screwed it up, and and when you're in the garden, that broke the covenant mm-hmm. of works that was you know, and so it was it was we call that that very first covenant the covenant of works. Right. Um, now there are people who argue that that basically all of the Old Testament covenants are covenants of works. Um, I can see that in, in because you know with every covenant there was a there was a strict um, you know you do this and I'll do this. You know you think about the nation of Israel, you think about Noah, you think about mm-hmm. Abraham, you think about uh, David, you think about all of these different people who had covenants with God, and all of them were a if you do this, then I'll do this. Mm-hmm. So it is a I mean it is a necessarily a an action based thing. So so they call it the government of works, but the the I think the bigger point to see is that a lot of these were God knew that the person would not be able to uphold their end of the covenant. Right. So go back to the very one of the very first covenants you talk about, the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis mm-hmm. chapter twelve. Um if you read that story and you read Genesis chapter twelve, you see that that God, in the form of a of a pot, a, fire, a flaming pot, passes through the animals that have been there, or that are laid out there that Abraham has put out, and and Abraham never passes through the covenant, and that's that's that was like the covenant ritual. I'm not going to get into covenant ritual details because it is disgusting. Um, but but God passes through the halves of the animals. Abraham never does, and and the point of that is to say that God is the person who's going to uphold the covenant regardless of Abraham. Right. And that's where we get this idea um, or this this notion of the covenant of grace, because God is the one who's saying, I'm going to be gracious. Despite you breaking my covenant, mm-hmm. I'm not going to destroy you. I mean, think about the nation of Israel and how many times, if you if you ever wonder if the nation of Israel was, like, good you should go read the histories. You should go read the chronicles and the kings um, and judges and Ezra, and and you you hear about all of these stories where Israel is basically they're taken off into captivity because they didn't do this, and they had kings that would do that would do evil things and lead them into pagan worship and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. 
But in all of that, God is still working and God is still preserving his people leading all the way to the person of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. which is where we establish um, the the ultimate or the yeah the ultimate covenant of grace, right? Um, and, you know, and so all of these other covenants of grace point to that that mm-hmm. covenant of grace through Jesus. Yeah, and I think if you even look back at when Adam and Eve uh, fell to the temptation to the, to the temptation of Satan. Uh-huh. I think you even have a foreshadowing of, or it's even a covenant of grace immediately in that moment, because it says that, you know, God condemns man, God, God condemns Adam and Eve, he, he banishes the snake from the, from the garden, uh-huh. he, he, he speaks, God tells him, you know, what's going to happen eventually, um, and then... God immediately covers their shame. He covers their nakedness. Yeah. He yeah. sacrifices an animal and and provides clothing for them. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that was like, okay, Adam and Eve, you've got to do this, 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 and this before I can, or before you can, or before your shame is covered. God says, no, I'm going to immediately cover your shame with my grace. Yes. And so that that very first, the, the them breaking the first covenant immediately leads to the, a covenant of grace. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you, you, so if you look at the, the original covenant between Adam and Eve, he says, the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Mm-hmm. Now, you can have a, a discussion between does that mean physical death or does that mean spiritual death or, you know, I, I think there's an argument to be had for both. It means both mm-hmm. uh, because we don't know before the before the fall um what human death was there uh you know we we'll get in we we don't have to talk about that when we're talking about covenants but but before the fall there was a specific guideline to to creation creation was perfect and then after the fall there's a new set of guidelines and mm-hmm. and so there is this this added idea of death after the fall um and and maybe it is spiritual maybe it's physical maybe it's both but but the reality is that at the moment that Adam and Eve ate of that that tree, God was just to strike both of them dead at that moment. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He extended grace even at that moment that they were in their sin. Yeah. And so you you fast forward that to to the writings of Paul in Ephesians chapter two, where he says, While you were in your sin, mm-hmm. Christ died. I mean, and and if we if we pair that with the idea that okay, so Jesus has always been from the beginning. He was there with God the Father. He's he's always been uh, there with Him. Yeah. So, um, and Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of alludes to Jesus being in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. Yeah, in a that. way, like like I understand, like the like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If we're saying that Jesus is the Son, uh, no, I mean, I I can see that. I can see it. I don't I don't know that I would take it that far, but uh-huh. but I think there is for sure that illusion or that that imagery. I guess is a better word. Mm-hmm. 
in in the in the the fall narrative um because you have i mean even in the fall in the fall narrative you have um the snake is still there mm-hmm. when it's talking about the woman the seed of the woman will will crush the head of the serpent right um you know obviously that is a direct reference to the person of christ right when it says the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and there's a it's it's it always comes around christmas time uh, but there's a picture of like Mary and she's very pregnant, um, and it has her uh, ste- stepping on the head of a of a snake. Mm. And I've always appreciated that that drawing because that that to me really just kind of encapsulates what Genesis three is talking about right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so is as much you know is Jesus like physically present? I you know. I don't think we have to go that far, but the the allusion or the uh, imagery to the person of Christ mm-hmm. is absolutely written all over the fall narrative, um, right. because because it is it is clear, and and we know this from you know looking looking two year two thousand years post Bible, you know, um, we can look back and see that maybe they didn't see it at the, at the, at the time, but but we know that 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 ultimately points to the promised Messiah, which is what all of scripture is supposed to point to. Right. So, so, you know, if if you're talking about trying to, to find Christ in the narrative, yes, he's absolutely there. But, but I don't, I don't know that I would go as far as to say that, that he is like physically there in the, in the garden. I don't think you have to do that. No, and I'm not saying that he is. I'm just, you know, if God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit are, are one, Yes, or one, then we could we could we could feasibly say that in a way he's there. Yes, I guess I don't know. In in some aspect, yes, because yeah, and you have I mean, so you have like um, God the God the Father, but let me think where I'm going with this. So God the Father is still on His throne when Christ is in the flesh on the earth. Mm-hmm. So it's not that that. Whenever you see Jesus, you're looking at God the Father and God the Spirit. No, you're looking at the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. who is manifested as the second person of the Trinity. And and this is like this is where it starts to get get mind melting, confusing because we can't think of of one person being three persons or one thing being three persons, which is exactly what the Trinity or the mm-hmm. what we would call the Godhead is. It is it is one thing the Godhead in manifested or not even manifested because that's that's borderline uh, modalism modalism heresy yeah um, but that that is exists as three distinct persons mm-hmm. you know the it, the Godhead exists as God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and each one of those persons has their individual role that they play. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, God the Father is the one who sins. God the Son is the one who is sent. God the Spirit is the one who helps. Um, mm-hmm. So each one of those has their has their own role. But when you talk about when you bring to bring this all the way back to the idea of covenant, when you talk about the idea of covenant, all of God is taking place in that covenant. And so all, all three entities of God. Yes, yes. And so I almost said parts that were not correct. <laughs> Yeah, all three persons, um, you know. So, so now you start talking about well, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Mm-hmm. He's the one who has 
brought us to new life. So there's a there was a worship song written a while back that, that and it and it captures perfectly what what Christ's role is. He came and lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we should have died. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, he is the mediator. He is the representative uh of the human race. You know, mm-hmm. much and then and then go back to Romans five, which is which is one of the, the pivotal passages on original sin. Um whereas in Adam we have all been declared dead because mm-hmm. Adam is our representative. He was the representative of of the human race at that point. Now Christ is the representative of this new and final covenant of grace that that says that all who are in Christ are covered in Christ's righteousness. So we have a righteousness, but it's not a righteousness that is our own. It is a righteousness that has been given to us through covenant and it, it has been given to us through what we uh, what we would call imputation. So Christ's righteousness is imputed to us, and that is mm-hmm. what the standard of judgment comes by. So that's how you say we are declared righteous. You know, when you're when you're talking about being justified, you are you're being declared righteous, um, and and all of that is centered in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Sort of, sort, mean, sort of. <laughs> again, if if everything about it made sense, then faith would not be an issue. Yeah. Think, so yeah. But um. Yeah. So uh. I don't really know where to go. Let's talk. Here. Let's talk about uh, one of these passages that that Packer brought up. So he yeah, specifically yeah. mentions Hebrews seven through ten. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. As one of these big, mm-hmm. like covenant explaining passages mm-hmm. yeah um talk talk us through that just a little yeah. bit so um in hebrews 7 through 10 um god brings in this enhanced vision of his covenant with sinners that is to go um from point of salvation to eternity yes and, and even you can even argue that the covenant predates our well, no, you can't. You can't argue that because God's covenant is only for God's people. Well, it's. I mean, it's it's for God's people, but it's according to Ephesians one. It's before the foundations of the world. So, I mean, you could you could say that His covenant has been from eternity. Will be from eternity to eternity. Yes. So, um, Bayer says that this covenant is a better covenant than the covenant of works. Mm-hmm. It has better promises than the covenant of works. It's based on a better sacrifice, offered by a better high priest, in a better sanctuary, guaranteeing a better hope than the former version of the covenant ever could have uh, guaranteed. And that uh, hope is endless glory with God in a better country, a heavenly country. Yes, yes. And with this, you really, so in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the threefold division of the law, um, and which is, which is really important, but this, this right here alludes to the threefold purposes of Christ. So when we talk about Christ, we talk about Christ being the prophet, the priest, and the king. Mm-hmm. So in order for, and, and, and really in Old Testament times, you had kind of this one or the other, like you either had prophets or you had priests or you had kings. Um, and when you talk about the order of 
Melchizedek, you're talking about, I think, uh, I think the, the order of Melchizedek was a, um, priest and a king. I think that's right. I'll have to go back and double check that, but I think it's a priest and a king, but, but it was like, you serve these dual role when you're in the order of Melchizedek. So, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the reason that Jesus is greater is because Jesus is the fulfillment of all three of these roles, which is the prophet who is, who is to declare the law of God. Mm-hmm. The priest who is to inf- uh, who is to uh, teach the law of God, and then the king who is to enforce the law of God. Right. Um, and so, what Jesus does is he takes on all three of these roles in in prophet, priest, and king, and he takes it all on himself, which is what makes him that that better high priest, that greater sacrifice. That uh, you know, that's why they didn't have they didn't have to keep sacrificing animals after the sacrifice of Christ because it was mm-hmm. once for all. First Peter says that, that his sacrifice was once for all. Right. And and so if there needed to be more sacrifices, then Jesus' sacrifice would not have been enough. Mm-hmm. But Jesus offers us more than what we could bring to the table, more than what we can offer or mm-hmm. could have ever offered. Yeah. You know, and so that's why our our hope of salvation, our covenant uh, relationship of salvation has to be 100% grounded in him and who he yeah. is and his work. Yeah. And, and like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, if my salvation is based, if 1% of my salvation is based on anything I can do, I'm 100%, 100% lost. lost. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny when you were talking through Jesus being prophet, priest, and king all at the same time, it reminds me of god the father god the son god the yeah. holy spirit yeah. and it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting to think about how god the son jesus is acting as prophet priest and king uh-huh. simultaneously yes it, it just it's just it's, 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 i mean it's, 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 it's almost a really interesting picture of discipleship if you think about it if he learns from god the father uh-huh or if you learn and then he is taking on three roles simultaneously that are independent of the Father and the Spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just a as the, thing to kind of think about. As the representative to to humankind. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's the mediator. He's the mediator between God and man. That's why, you know, that's why we don't need a priest as, as wonderful Protestants that we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we say that we don't. We don't have to go to a priest to confess our sins. We confess our sins one to another so that we may be healed. Mm-hmm. Um, is what the Book of James teaches us. And so, um, when we when we get to this point where we say, you know, all of my hope is in is in Jesus and what He has done because He is my only mediator between God and man. Um, which goes back to the Hebrews. Goes back to the Book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. And so, um, when we have that assurance, when we have that, that when we understand that reality that Christ is our prophet, priest, and king, then we have a better way to understand that God the Father is the one who sent that, and and mm-hmm. and and we, and it also helps us understand our role. Like you, uh, I'm glad you mentioned discipleship because our role is to make more priests. Mm-hmm. That will eventually become kings, and that's—I mean—that's the thing—is—is is, you know, if you are, if you are a man, you are a a co-heir with Christ. You're a king. If you are a woman, you're a queen. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and the thing, you know, we don't like to think about it in that in that terms a lot of times because so much of our uh, of our theology tells us how how awful we are and how bad we are, and that is so true. We are terrible people, but the reality is that if we are in Christ, we are co heirs with Christ, right? And so we have that that assurance that that we have through the through the through imputation we have the righteousness of Christ which makes us co-heirs with with Christ and all of that is through the covenant work that that Christ did on the cross right and so you know the goal of that covenant work is to gather all of the people from every nation and every tribe and every tongue and every language like that's the that's the whole point of that of Christ's death burial and resurrection is to bring people back into relationship with God. And and we've I think we've said it before that that God doesn't have to save anybody. The the simple fact that one person is saved is enough to to glory uh give him glory forever and ever. And yeah, the, the the fact that he sent his son to live a perfect life, to die a death that he did not deserve that we yeah. deserved. If if it if that had been enough to save or that was enough to just save one person, and and you're absolutely right, that would be that would be worth worshiping God. Yeah, forever on on its own. One yeah. one salvation would be enough. Yeah, but but God in his in his infinite mercy and in his infinite mm-hmm. grace, you yeah. know, he gives us he gives us these covenants like salvation. And we have salvation through justification. And we have justification because we are adopted. We are we are under the covenant mercy. Mm-hmm. You know. And and you know, those who have been adopted are elected by God to be members of his family. Mm-hmm. To be members of his community. And yeah. and we're we we proclaim that we're members of that community through baptism, through mm-hmm. ordinances, through the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Um and so so you see this idea of covenant woven throughout everything that is a part of being a follower of Christ, right. uh, being a, you know, what we would call a Christian, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but being somebody who says, I'm going to, I'm going to give my entire life, not anything that I have. It's nothing that I can bring to the table, but, but just God, would you use somebody like me and, and God yeah. in his mercy and in his covenant love says, yes. I you know I will I will use the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and and that's where that's where we end up with with the covenant of grace is that God would be would be willing to use foolish people, mm. you know, to to proclaim His glory to the nations. Yeah. So there's some thoughts on covenant. Yeah, I think that's a. That's enough. That's enough to get along with, I think. <laughs> if it's not, it should be enough to make you think for a couple of minutes. Yeah. So at least a couple of minutes. Yeah. It's um. You know, it's an Old Testament word, for sure. Yeah. You know, there are the ideas definitely very Old Testament, but it's still applicable to us today. Yeah. Um. We and, don't. We don't like to think about covenants because of because we think you know. Covenants to us today mean like, oh, I'm bound to do something. And the reality is that like God has already done it 
we're just bound to walk in the freedom that he's given us because of it. So there's some conversation on Covenant. Yeah. And my chocolate shake is gone now. Yeah. Mine, I'm sad day. Mine's gone too. Yeah. I'm probably going to have to go have another one of these. Maybe not tonight. Maybe tomorrow. But, uh, hey, if you want to find us on Instagram, hit us up at beers and Bible underscore. Mm-hmm. And we are also on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. Hashtag thank you, Twitter, for the handle. That's right. Thanks, Twitter. And email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts. And until next week, we want you to have a fantastic week drinking lots of shake chocolate porter from Boulder Beer Company. Peace out. See ya. You enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. 